Welcome to Mentioned in Dispatches, the podcast on the Western Front Association. I'm Dr Tom Thorpe. The WFA is the UK's largest Great War History Society. We are dedicated to furthering understanding of the First World War and have over 60 branches worldwide. For more information, visit our website at westernfrontassociation.com. I'm looking for new topics to discuss on the podcast. If you have an idea, let me know. Email me on press at westernfrontassociation.com. It is the 15th of January 2018 and this is episode number 46, our second programme of the new year. In this episode, Jeremy Gordon-Smith talks about his relative Ivan Bawtree, who worked as a photographer in the Graves Registration Units on the Western Front during the Great War. This interview is based on his new book, Photographing the Fallen, published by Pen and Sword. I spoke to Jeremy before Christmas using the marvels of internet telephony from his home in Hampton. During the interview, a pile driver was operating about 20 yards away. Apologies if this comes through on the recording. Hi Jeremy, welcome to the Dispatches podcast. Can you begin by giving us some background about how you became interested in the Great War? Yes, well I started studying the First World War when I was at school at the age of 14. Uh, and this included a trip to the battlefields of Leamy uh, Ridge and the Somme. And I remember being impacted by the proximity of frontline trenches to each other, the amount of rusted shell cases that were lying around and the old concrete bunkers, as well as just the huge casualties that were represented by all the cemeteries, memorials. Uh, and that same year, my father found two of Ivan Bawtree's great war diaries in a bureau following the death of my grandmother. Straight away, I was fascinated. Uh, my dad told me about the photograph collection uh, that was held by the Imperial War Museum, and we went to have a look at it, and there were kind of 600 photos there. I tried to take some photocopies of them at the time, which didn't come out very well, but uh, the interest was, was instantly captured, and I transcribed the diaries, which were from 1917 and 1918, and took them into school. And my history teacher uh, was impressed enough by this that he, he uh, helped me put a small display case outside the classroom. So, yeah, the interest really sprang up then. So can you tell us about why you wrote a book about Ivan and exactly what's his relationship to you? So Ivan is my father's mother's uncle. So that makes him my great-great-uncle. And he he died when I was only two years old, so I don't have any personal memory of him, although the last photograph in the book is me with him as a baby. But he was warmly mentioned on many occasions by my father, as was the family home of Clapham Lodge in Sutton. Uh, and we have many items such as Victorian photographs that came from the house. Over the years, more material that pertained to Ivan's great war service has come my way, which includes diaries, memoirs, letters, even an audio memoir, and excitingly, three Kodak cameras. Uh, and there's a number three folding pocket Kodak camera, which uh, was the one that Ivan used specifically was, was given by the uh, War Graves Commission to use to take photographs. Uh, and it's in beautiful condition. It's really lovely thing to have. But I found it fascinating to put together as detailed a picture as possible of, of Ivan's war service. It provides a personal window into the into the Western Front. And then the IWM, the Imperial War Museum, digitised the majority of the photos and put them online. And that was another exciting development that really enabled me to take a much closer look at uh, what Ivan had uh, had been doing. And the book as a whole reflects my interests in family history, world war history, photography and psychology. So it really brings together a lot of key interests for me. So that made it quite an exciting venture. So can you start by telling us about Ivan's early life in, in Surrey? Well, he was born in, as the youngest of six siblings. Uh, his older brother is 20 years older than him, uh, his oldest brother 
who is my great-grandfather. He grew up in Sutton. It was in a fairly well-to-do family, and they moved to a house called Clapham Lodge at the turn of the century, uh, which is a nice, spacious house set in a couple of acres of land. The family were very involved in the Sutton Congregational Church. And in 1907, Ivan's older brother, Athel, started a uh, the Boys' Life Brigade there. And this became a really important part of Ivan's life, uh, something that, uh, yeah, that he continued right so to the end of his life, really. There's clearly an interest in photography from a young age, and you can see that his older brothers were also very much into photography, and everyone was, was, was taking photos. Shortly before the war, around 1912-1913, he studied at the training school for photograph engraving and lithography in London, and he got a job in 1913 with Ratton and Wainwright, who, were, who produced uh, glass plates. They were based in Croydon, and they were taken over by Kodak, where Ivan works for some 41 years. So how did Ivan end up joining the Wargraves Registration Unit and what was the purpose of this unit and what was the nature of its work? Well, Fabian Ware, who's credited as the founder of what we know today to be the Commonwealth Wargraves Commission, he had officially established the Graves Registration Commission in March 1915. And that was to respond to the lack of organisation that he noticed uh, around adequately registering the graves of the fallen. I don't think anyone had anticipated a huge number of casualties that there were Men were often buried in haphazard fashion near where they fell. Uh, and the Graves Registration Unit's main purpose was to move around the front to ensure that every fallen soldier would have, as far as was possible, a properly marked grave with the location registered. This was very important as graves were often prone to being lost due to proximity to the fighting and the wide impact of shell fire. And relatives were desperate for any information they could get and requests for photos of graves started to arrive in 1915. And it was therefore decided to set up a photographic department in order to meet these requests, which would be funded by the British Red Cross. So in terms of how did Ivan get involved, the uh, Graves Registration Commission sent someone over to Kodak in May 1915 looking for suitable volunteers for this photography job. Ivan volunteered and another, I think another chap called Frederick Roper also worked for Kodak also uh, went out. Uh, Ivan within a week would be arriving in France so he was volunteered at the end of May and early June he was on his way over. So what, what exactly did Ivan do on an average day? I know you've got his diaries, which really give us an impression. His job was to travel around to various cemeteries to systematically photograph grave markers so that a print could be sent to the relatives upon a request. It was quickly agreed that it was best to photograph several graves per negative and as many as possible to respond to anticipated requests rather than just seeking out those that had been requested. So that was going to become too complicated and long-winded to do that so he would have, have his lists of things that he would uh, graves that he would go to go to photograph uh, in the early days certainly he was he had to go with a um, an officer and it was very strict what he could take photographs of I get the impression as time went on he had a bit more leeway to to organize his day uh, in terms of where he went but he would he would access numerous cemeteries uh, sometimes he would he would go on his push bike and he might cycle as far as 40 miles in one day which to me sounds like a long way without taking into account that the roads were had been shelled and might have and might be under fire as well so so he'd access a lot of different places he always seemed to have plenty of clerical work to do often mentions clerical work doesn't really say what that means obviously admin in relation to the photos that 
that he was taking. Sometimes the weather or the military situation would preclude photography, so he would have to do other tasks, such as this clerical work, or he'd be engaged in making crosses. And notably, during the, the German Spring Offensive in 1918, the military situation became so critical that he had to put down his camera and ended up working as an orderly with a medical unit at Remy Siding, uh, which is in the one of the largest cemeteries, Lissenhoek, near Popperinger. Uh, and he was helping with the X-ray there. Uh, and on one occasion, he was ordered, I think one, one or two occasions, he was ordered to dig graves. This was not normally part of his work, but needs must at this point. And he talks about digging a grave for 20 men. And was he actually part of the army at this time? He started off under the auspices of the Red Cross. So his, his uniform in 1915 has the Red Cross on it. And But by 1916, he was enlisted into the Royal Engineers. The Graves Registration Commission, I think it was in October 1915, uh, was shifted from the Red Cross to under the auspices of the army, which gave it a stronger footing on the Western Front. Uh, and at that point, uh, things changed internally. And But it wasn't until about April 1916 that Ivan and others were, the other photographers were, were put into the, the Royal Engineers. So did Ivan um, actually know anybody um, from the graves that he photographed? And if so, what impact did this have upon him? Well, the book I've shown three examples of people known to Ivan whose grave he photographed. I suspect there were more than that. So there's one or two fo- extra photos where he specifically named the person whose grave is in the photo, which he doesn't normally do, which implies some possible connection, but we don't know what it is. But the one, the three that we definitely know are a colleague from Kodak, Sapper Grayling, who was a clerk at Kodak. Uh, another was a chap called Sergeant Harry Jan- Daniels, who was, we know, was a friend from the, the Boys Life Brigade, someone I would have known since 1907, as far as I can tell. Uh, and the third was his cousin, Jack. Uh, what impact it had on him is unclear. Ivan doesn't express feelings about it in his writings. When Jack is killed, he just notes, here of poor Jack's death. Can you imagine it must have had, you know, naturally it would have had a, a strong impact on him, but it was an extraordinary time of, of war, so he didn't let this get in the way of doing his job. I sense that he probably felt it especially important to get photographs of the graves of people he knew. Uh, he took several of Jack's graves, and he was keen to know if Jack's mother had received a photo. So how did Ivan's war experience affect him after the war? Again, he doesn't really tell you this in his writings, unfortunately. I have to try to put myself in his shoes and imagine what it must have been like for him. Uh, his role was surely a sad and sombre task, but my impression is that he felt privileged to have participated in the way that he did. Uh, there is a, a memoir by a colleague of his who comments that uh, while it was a melancholy and sad task, that uh, they did their best to put on a kind of cheerful attitude in the work that they did, um, try to avoid the long face. But that must have been difficult at times. Um, Ivan said it was at times quite exciting as he moved to all sorts of places, including artillery areas behind the lines. He got to see a lot of interesting things, many of which we can obviously view through the lens of his camera. Uh, And I got a real sense he made the most of his time on the Western Front. It seemed like quite an adventure for him. Uh, and that's been quite a pull for me. It's been, I've enjoyed sharing in that adventure. By 1919, his photos show that he was able to enjoy a good amount of social and leisure activities, as well as pursue private photography projects. Uh, and after the war, he slipped right back into his pre-war pursuits of working at Kodak and running the Boys Brigade. So there's no evidence that he was came back traumatised or emotionally scarred to any great level. And my sense from reading everything that is that he's left behind is, is that he would have been happy to talk about his war experience, had anyone asked him to do so. Having written the book, what reflections do you have about his life and times? The book helps me to engage with the enormous scale of loss and devastation of the Great War, which I find both fascinating and 
obviously very sad as well. Uh, the scale of the casualties is staggering. It's hard to fathom. And as I said, that was one of the things that first impacted me when I went to the battlefields at the age of 14. Those were extraordinary times that seem very much outside of our present day experience in the UK. So it's a privilege to vicariously experience them through Ivan. It's also interesting to note that the work of the Graves Registration Units was pioneering and never before had so much attention been given to the graves of the fallen and the needs of their relatives. Uh, this, in a sense, helps highlight how grief-stricken and traumatised our nation was by the impact of total war. And the cemeteries are an enduring reminder for all of us. Finally, Jeremy, where can people get your book from? Well, it's published by Pen and Sword, so you can get it from their website and a lot of the other usual outlets like Amazon, uh, the National Archives sell it as well. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. You have been listening to the Mentioned in Dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition. The theme music for this podcast was George Butterworth's The Banks of Green Willow. It was performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Chris Rusman and produced by Biz Records. This recording is part of a collection of orchestral works by Butterworth performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales and supported by the Western Front Association. This is available from all good record stores under the record code BIS2195. Until next time.